This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most Popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. So I want to start this podcast off by saying uh, I want to thank the, uh, the Chicago White Sox bullpen for making me very aware of my responsibilities as a, as a, a, a worker, a human, a provider, um, a person who... Who, who knows where his priorities should lie because, you know, on an 87, 88 degree evening, by the way, um, I said, you know what? I got a pod to do tonight. I'm going to catch this game. I got DVR, you know, I pay damn near. I don't even want to say how much I pay for my cable and internet and all that stuff. Shout out to the HR people over at NBC Sports Chicago who I haven't, uh, who I haven't been able to link up with this last contract to uh, make sure that 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 old seventy five dollar bill isn't looking like what it's looking like right now. <laughs> boy, boy, you know what? We always give our shout outs. Shout out to all the HR people out there. You know the the, the people who think 
uh, we think work for us, but then we end up finding out they work for the company. <laughs> they just tell us that they work for us. Shout out to y'all out there. Men and women alike. I have been looked at and lied to by all of y'all. Hold on. See, look, speak of the devil. You know, this is probably, this is probably them telling me right now that I need to pay a bill that's exorbitantly overpriced. But no, man, I've watched many a game on DVR before. Okay. It used to be my, my go-to back in the day. Back in the day when I was, um, Working, you know, certain shifts and, you know, get up four in the morning, five in the morning, watch yourself a baseball game, watch yourself a basketball game, get on with your day. You know, still fresh in your mind. You don't have to worry about the the malted hops and bong resin still in there. Shout out to Tommy Boy. But, you know, I used to do the DVR thing quite often. Nowadays, not so much, right? You got a lot for life. You got to make sure that everything is taken care of. But tonight I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that DVR spin. It's 88 degrees outside tonight. My buddy, Ro- my buddy Roger, uh, he had his birthday situation on, on the rooftop at the Hoxton. Never been to the Hoxton in the West Loop before. Went over there. It was a decent scene, right? Shout out to all my Armenian folks out there. Ran into some of the Armenian homies um, and some of the Armenian uh, friends, too. It was it was thick up there, like, in, in more ways than one. And I'm looking at my guy. I'm like, ah, you know. Good to see you, Raj. I got appeal, though. The pod calls, work calls, you know, Tony Gill and the introduction of the Tony Gill experience here on the Full Go podcast calls. You know what I'm saying? The active Jesse Lopez calls. The shadowy figure that is Steve Cerruti. We all know he's a smiling face, but we know he's the hatchet man. He'll get rid of you quick in this bitch. So I'm like, yeah, let me get my ass to the crib so that I can watch this outstanding series lid lifter between the Yankees and the Chicago White Sox. Mind you, mind you, another shout out. We were full of shout outs today, boy. This, that means somebody going to get their ass toe up. Shout out to Brooks Boyer over there at, at the Chicago White Sox. Hit Brooks up. I was like, yo, Brooks, what's good with you, man? Anytime I ask what's good with somebody, apparently they think that I'm asking for tickets. And I didn't know that that was my, like, I didn't know that that was my resume here in the city. That anytime golf hits you is for tickets, because that's not the case. I don't want people to think that. I'm always trying to pay for this shit that people try to give me for free, because that's how you support out there, right? And I only felt that way after I got a little money. Don't get it twisted. Like, I was always the dude who, if you had some free shit, I was down for it. So, next thing you know, Brooks Boy emails four tickets over to him, a brother at a parking pass. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to be out there hanging with the folks, looking at the people, you know, saying hi, tell them to listen to the Full Go podcast. And then close to the game rolls around, I find out that um, none of my Sox fans' friends really want to be involved in this situation tonight. I got one buddy who's like, hey, man, I'm on the golf course. I'm like, it's 90 degrees and it's 3 o'clock. You're not a doctor. Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Then another guy, oh, man, I'm going Saturday. I don't know what the hell that means. You know what I mean? You can't go tonight, too? Cool. I got you, Vaughn. You're still my guy. And then my uncle, who's a member of the Chicago Police Department for like 25 plus years, he's like, ah, man, I'm with the dog solo tonight. My aunt, Aunt Louise, she's uh, she's in Florida. So I'm like, I don't know what that means. I, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means you just... So I, long story less long, I, I didn't have anybody to hang out with to go to the game tonight. Okay? So I gave tickets to my fiance's cousin. Shout out to Ricky. He went out there, had a ball. I didn't hear anything about it, so that means he had a ball. I get home at 8.30, you know? Responsible golf. Plop down in my fucking chair 
you know, order some Al's Italian beef, got myself a Chicago hot dog and a Maxwell Street Polish, easy on the onions, heavy on the mustard, run that. You know, Uber Eats gets it over here quick, fast, in a hurry. My man, as as per usual, calls me and says, I'm downstairs. I say, I'm upstairs. I don't know why we're giving each other's locations out, but bring your ass up here and give me my food. He comes up, gives me the food. I'm watching the game. Next thing you know, Dylan Cease is out here striking out the side. Unfortunately, <laughs> he got hit up a little bit in that first inning for two runs. And then you fast forward, Dylan Cease had eight strikeouts. His first eight outs recorded were all strikeouts, but the Yankees got really, really good contact on him, right? So when he wasn't missing missing bats, they definitely weren't missing his. So you look at the other side of the ball, you got some dude who apparently is a creative player. I, I got to talk to my guy, Johnny Strzemski, about this. Uh, Luis Heal? Now, it's, it's spelled G-I-L. And, and shout out to my Latin homies. I defer to my man Jesse Lopez on this. Now, it, 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 do I call this man heel or do I call him Gil? Because I heard people calling him heel and I didn't want to be that, you know, that pretentious dude who's like over pronunciating or over, is it enunciating and pronouncing or whatever? Over enunciating or pronunciating what, whatever, uh, you know, ethnic name they possibly can. So do I go heel here in in, in my in my description on what the fuck I saw tonight, because I need to know before I, I, I switch it up. Is it heel, Jesse? I'm going to say heel. All right, there we go. The, the, our Latin representative has spoken. I've spoken. That's <laughs> yes, it. Yes, yes. It's final. Hit the anvil. You know what I'm saying? We'll get our jokes off on outside the pod where we can't get canceled. So this dude was, hey, 95, 96 strong, right? On the black. Like, we like it. But, man, this man couldn't get a slider over to save his life. And I'm thinking, oh, this run's here. This run's here, boy. Hey, fight at the back rack, boys. It's 90-degree night. You know, everybody been bitching about the weather for the last month. Next thing you know, summertime Chicago was on your ass like that. And, boy, do the White Sox play some dumbass baseball. Do they kick the ball around? Do they get picked off? Larry Garcia getting picked off, shutting down possibility of a, a big inning. You, you got your man T.A., Tim Anderson, who everybody loves. I love man's OBP and, and, and OPS plus and, and what, batting 337 coming into tonight. Man, has been outstanding. But once again, once again, there, there's like a moment in a, like at least – four or five of these last, like, what the hell is going on White Sox games? Where Tim Anderson has had a moment where it's like, ah, wish you were better than that in that moment, right? It, it, it happened with the two-base era a couple of nights ago. It happened with him throwing behind the runner at third uh, three nights ago, right? And, and, and luckily, the ball didn't get away from Yoan Moncada in his first game back. But, like, just the little things. This man can't get a slider over to save his life. What happens in, a, in an inning that it was supposed to be a big inning? Your man, Tim Anderson, is swinging at a slider up in the zone, like way up in the zone. So I'm coasting. I'm like, all right, this seems odd. This is a this is a White Sox-Yankees game. Don't know why the DVR has two hours and 45 minutes on it. Maybe, just maybe, Dylan Cease and, and what's my man's name? Heel? Yeah, maybe Dylan Cease and your boy Heel were out here dealing after that third inning. Nah, they weren't. They weren't. I got caught by the DVR monster again, ladies and gentlemen. This happens probably about two or three times a year where you're like, hey, 
30 minutes after the end time. Like you have this talk with your DVR. Okay. Don't stop it when you say stop it. Stop it 30 minutes to an hour afterwards. Well, guess what? I'm talking to the guys on a group text. They already know what's happened in this game. I'm like, yo, I got like a little bit to go, but for some reason, there's 17 minutes left on my DVR. And boy, oh boy, does it look like something crazy happened in this game. I don't know when, and I'm the master, y'all. I am the damn master. There is nobody, there is nobody over me. I am the sensei of avoiding knowing what happened in a game that I have to watch. I tell people to shut the fuck up around me. I tell my mama, because my mama is good for coming in, like, you know, the Avenger in the night. Like, by the way, I know you wasn't supposed to know this, but uh, the game that you're watching right now finished in a double overtime. Might have been the greatest game of all time, but you can keep on watching it. Boy, was it a great game, Jay. I love you. Like, low-key, those that's, that's how my mother's texts look every time I'm trying to watch a game that nobody else knows that I haven't found out the outcome. It's like my mother gets that sense, like, ooh, my son is anxious about something. Let me tell him the final of the Chicago White Sox-Yankees game, right? But shout out to moms. She didn't do it this time. But I saw the score, I saw the inning, and I saw the minutes left on the DVR. And boy, was I like, man, some wild shit must have happened in this game. So as it's rounding down and there's like seven minutes left in the DVR, I'm like, boy, maybe they stopped it at the bottom of the sixth or the top of the seventh. Who knows? I press the C button, which if you have Xfinity here in the city of Chicago, you can get all the scores. This is not an Xfinity ad because they ain't paying me. And, and damn it, I'm paying them too much. <sighs> I press the C button, which lets you know everything that happened in the local action. And I see... 15 goddamn runs next to the New York Yankees score. So needless to say, ladies and gentlemen, the White Sox bullpen spit the bit. I Listen, if you want to blame whatever on Tony LaRusso, fine. This is going to be the summer of blame. I see what's happening already here. The Chicago White Sox and Chicago White Sox fans are in for a fucked up season. And you, and, and, and you could take that any way you want to. You could take it as, oh, it's going to be a wild roller coaster ride. Or it's going to be like, God damn, we, we, we got so close. And then all of a sudden, this happened this year. All I know is there is way too much shit happening too early in the season against teams. Like, you still got to play all of the, the Twins games. And, and, of course, the Yankees are a, a damn juggernaut. Like 17 and two coming into their last, you know, coming into this game in their last 19. Um, you know, any team that can put Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton back to back in a lineup, it should be illegal, you know, low key. Like you got, you got like $800 million worth of slugger. Giancarlo Stanton has 15 of the highest, uh, batted, was it velocity average at bats in the last 26. So 15 of the last 26 highest velo at bats, he's got him in the last five years. So he hits the ball harder than anybody. That's what he did tonight. He got a couple of home runs as far as I can see, all right? And Aaron Judge went crazy. Uh, you know, I, I'm really, really looking forward to whatever the summer is going to bring because it's nothing easy if you're a Sox fan. You know this, right? 
Like Dallas Keuchel might be pitching for his career tomorrow or Friday when you're listening to this, right? Because Johnny Cueto, everybody's like, oh, Johnny Cueto might be coming up and, you know, they're, they're, they're getting ready to see Johnny. Let me tell you something right now. I know Dallas Keuchel had a tough outing his last one. and I'm sorry, he had a good outing his last one. He had two tough ones before that. He was walking people, controls all out of, you know, out of order. If Dallas Keuchel goes out here and spits the bit in this next start, yeah, y'all, I've been watching White Sox Twitter and talking about Dallas Keuchel and relief and lo- no, no, that ain't a relief arm, y'all. That's that's not the ooh, he's he's being crafty. You ain't being crafty in the, in Major League Baseball in the late innings these days. You can serve that eighty eight mile an hour fastball up there all you want. You gonna look like Jamie Navarro did at the end of his White Sox career. So you know it's. It's weird times. You, you got a weird manager who's saying weird things. You got a team seemingly that's, that can't, well, not seemingly, they just can't stay healthy. And then you have, you have like little measuring stick series like these, right? The Indians, the Indians, the Guardians, my bad. I mean, yeah, I tried my hardest not to get canceled. And look what happened right there in the middle of the pod. The Guardians series, the Red Sox series, and, and the Cubs series, cool, but these are the teams that we're talking about, the Sox going up against, the, the, the Angels of the world, the Yankees of the world, hell, the, the Astros of the world, like we saw last year. No more should we be talking about this team beating up on bum-ass squads and, 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 and feeling good about it. I know there are, there are more below-average teams than there are great teams, especially in the American League, but this is one of those series where, you, you know, it's, it's a measuring stick. You get a nice little barometer of, of what's going on with you. And for whatever reason, the White Sox bullpen is going to be um, seemingly a quandary all year long. You know, Matt Foster has been outstanding. Um, Jose Ruiz, when he's got his control, I think is good. Uh, Ryan Burr is just another arm. Aaron Bummer, obviously, on the injured list. And, you know, Liam Hendricks has been gored a little bit early in this, uh, you know, early going of the season. So, you're only as good as your bullpen. And, you know, Ozzie Ginn has said it before. We've seen it. I mean, we've seen guys like Neil Cotts and Bobby Howery and Bill Seamus, you know, have dazzling years and then the next year be off the chain bad, right? Every single year, you got to kind of redo and reshape that bullpen. Joe Kelly's going to get in the mix. Hopefully, Kendall Graveman, when he gets healthy, can, can get his, his, his groove back. But, you know, <laughs> this team, we've been looking forward to them scoring some runs. They scored some runs the last couple of games. He's given up a shitload of runs as well. And if Michael Kopech, if you're just counting on Michael Kopech and, and Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito to hold it down, well, those other two spots in the rotation are just going to have to be innings eaters. You're going to have to get served up a few times in the rotation just so you can keep this bullpen, which is shaky in the last few outings, just so you can keep them fresh, right? Like, it's not even about them being bad anymore because if you're hurt, just think, these are the best of the best on this team and in this organization. So what you don't want is them going down and looking for bullpen arms or at the trade deadline having to give up valuable assets for something that maybe you thought maybe would fill in at second base or maybe fill in in right field. Now you're going looking for another bullpen arm. It's a long way in the season to go, obviously. But man, <laughs> yo, if there was any game <laughs> that the DVR decided to chew up and spit out, this was one of them, and DVR, I am very thankful for that because no way in hell was I going to sit here and watch the Sox get their heads kicked in for seven runs in an inning. I, and on Twitter, I stayed away from Twitter, too. 
I stayed away from Twitter. And the moment I clicked on Twitter, can't wait to hear what Goff has to say about this touchdown given up by those Sox bullpen. Well, thank you. Thank you. This is what you're hearing. I didn't see it. God damn it. <laughs> I did see it. And, and I'm ready for this team to make me feel good all the way around. You know what I mean? On some, on some Halle Berry, Billy Bob Thornton shit. Like, I'm watching this team and I'm just waiting for that, you know, that nice little a nice little run. I'm waiting for that good two weeks where it's like, yeah, this is how you're supposed to feel as a Sox fan. As far as the Cubs are concerned, eh. Time for some commercials. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been listening to the first 101 episodes of this podcast. Truly appreciate you. But now we're getting ready to go into a stratosphere that I don't even think the Ringer folks are ready for because uh, a while ago, a while ago, I ran into a young man in uh, in the SCORE studios, uh, the local station here, 670 The SCORE station that I worked at for about 16, 17 years. And I ran into a young guy and we run into a lot of young folks Obviously, you know, this is a place that a lot of people want to work at. It's one of the heritage stations in the city of Chicago. And I ran into a young dude and I will never forget. I was like, man, I don't know. There's something about that cat. Like, it seems like he wants to work and it's not just one of these dudes who's just a worker bee. Like, you could tell when somebody's got some ambition and sometimes so much so you can tell when somebody's got some ambition and you know that it's going to rub some people the wrong way. But I like people like that. I like I like guys who make people tell the truth, even the, even though uh, they're not around. And this dude was one of those dudes very, very early for me. And I, I, I hate to say shit like, well, you reminded me of myself when I first saw him. But uh, there's been a few dudes who have who have had that uh, who have had that vibe about them. And one of those cats was Chris Tannehill, who was a part of this podcast uh, for a nice little run. And then, you know, he had to he had to make some some very, very important financial decisions, business decisions. And I'm very proud of the man because I, I love it when my friends get to use uh, the leverage that they have. And now, <laughs> next up to bat, apparently, <laughs> is Tony Gill. Uh, locally here in the city of Chicago, you may know him. He is he is the young Morgan Freeman. You you hear this man narrating everything from, <laughs> from the Bulls uh, season openers to playoff uh, game ones to you know the socks uh, lid lifters like this dude. This dude is uh not just an up and coming cat in the business here in the city of Chicago, but he's already there. And I'm so glad that he could jump on the pod and kind of stabilize my foolishness along with Jesse and, and Steve Cerruti. Uh, I've got I've got more people who will be tasked with uh, corralling me. So Tony Gill will be with us for the foreseeable future, uh, 101 and beyond. And I'm looking forward to how many times we get in trouble uh, together as, as a unit because um, anytime I look at Tony, I think, like I said, I think of the, the young me and there's a lot of mischief in the young me. And he is, uh, he is definitely that. So, Tony, uh, good to have you aboard, my man, and looking forward to whatever this experience yields and uh, the the Ringer folks, the Spotify folks, and and definitely the Full Go folks getting a chance to uh, to sample your wares, my man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we 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 lit, man. <laughs> That's how this motherfucker starts. It. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I brought this man out like Steve Harvey does every one of the kings of comedy. 
And that's how Tony Gill introduces himself to the to the ringer verse to the <laughs> my bad my my, my fault man <laughs> but, but but yeah I don't want yeah I don't want Van Lathan coming down on me but yeah that's how yeah it doesn't get any better than that folks you know all that broadcasting school is finally paid off this man is in the place to be and oh yeah yes, we sir. lit is where we go yeah. from here <laughs> but Tony tell the people a little bit about yourself before we uh before we take off before we embark on this uh this this second hundred chapter I guess of the Full Go podcast. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, introducing me in the way that you did. I definitely appreciate it. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, we've been, I've been a fan of Jason Golf for as long as I can remember liking radio. Um, him, Lawrence, Boars and Bernstein, if you know, if you're local, you know those names. Uh, they're very synonymous uh, with each other, and they were synonymous in a part of my life uh, growing up. You know, the score was a part of my life, and that means Jason was a part of my life unknowingly. So getting getting the opportunity to, uh, you know, intern first uh, and then work with him and then having to see him go. Talk about the full go. So having to see him go uh, and then linking up back with him um, in the next in the next spot, man, it was it was a dream. It was a dream. So. I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad that we get to do this project uh, together and uh, looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we also work together on the NBC Sports Chicago side of things as well. So this is now two jobs that, uh, that I got to deal with Tony and he has to deal with me. And uh, looking forward to it, like you said. And Jesse, uh, as always, our, our guy Jesse Lopez is going to be manning the, the – uh, the, the sounds and the, the editing and and we're gonna have uh we're gonna have some different topics and some different kind of fun with Tony arriving now uh, we get to let our hair down well you two gentlemen can can let your hair down a little bit more but looking forward to it as this uh, podcast becomes uh, whatever is getting ready to become and and, and uh, we uh, we are always appreciative of all the people out there listening so thought we'd take a little bit of time to introduce. Uh, Tony and blast off on this thing. Um, it's funny because Tony jumps on, then all of a sudden, you know, one of his guys becomes a guest on this show. It's funny how that works. So we're going to take a quick time out and we return with Jason Leisure, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times, because I know everybody out there is amped about NFL schedule day. Woo! We can go down the list. You can do win-loss, win-loss for 17 games and be totally wrong by the time the season rolls around. So our guy, Jason Leisure, will break that and the state of the Chicago Bears as they are currently constituted down next, right here on the Full Go Podcast. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. I feel like the, the podcast is getting taken over by the Sports Adjacent pod. I feel like this is the subtle, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Russell Dorsey's going to show up out of nowhere, you know, doing push-ups and showing you his shoes and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Rocking the shirt, too. Let's go. Oh, get the fuck uh, out of here. This is, this is already... I can't change my Zoom name, man. I can't take it so it's not my daughter's name and all this. I don't know how. <laughs> and, and it's got, oh, it's got a unicorn. It's got a butterfly. It's got a it's cupcake. Like a flat, flat. 
A flower? A flower? And I, I believe a cell phone. I can't tell what that last thing is. I, hey, man. I, I don't know how to change this. Jason, you ain't you ain't even got to do that for us. If that's if that's how you roll and and you got caught <laughs> not, up, you know the night before, like, hey, you know, <laughs> it's like sometimes you know the cosplay gets out of control. Next thing you know, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! So do you know how many times I've tried to go on this? I've tried to use the Zoom over the last two years, and like my kid has used it for who knows what. I have an eleven-year-old yeah. daughter and eight-year-old daughter. Either one of them could have done this. I get on there. <laughs> And my name has one of their names and a bunch of emojis. And I look at the screen and there's me with like, uh, like pig ears or something like, <laughs> or a cat's head or it's right. like, how do I, I and, and then I inevitably, it's like some bears press conference and I'm like, damn it, get down here and fix this. And like, which is great. You know, that's what everybody wants to hear. Or, or you could jump in and, and get ready to talk to George McCaskey with a unicorn and a butterfly and a cupcake next to your name <laughs> and feel like that'll soften the blow for whatever hard question you're about to ask. So, I, I mean, you can use it either nonsense. way. You can use it yeah. either way. So here on the Full Go Podcast, we don't worry about that. As soon as you jump in, that's when we start recording. Um, it is my pleasure because, you know, Jesse Lopez, the always active Jesse Lopez, has been a part of this thing. Uh, for a while now, and we are now on it was episode 102. So this is now going to be the the first foray for one Tony Gill as he jumps on with us here on the Full Go Podcast, and Jason Leisure, uh, who covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun Times, also a part of the Sports Adjacent Podcast, is in here as well. And and this morning, when all the alarm bells went off about Bears schedule coming out, this that and the other, Steve Cerruti jumped into the text and said, "Hey." Who would you like to get on to talk about this? And I said, ah, let me let me think about it. Like, which Bears reporter would I have on that wouldn't make this an entire drag? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, like who would come on here and shoot the shit with me, but also break it down with me? And I thought to myself, Jason Leisure. That's that's the perfect guy to do that. Like I said, you can catch him at the Chicago Sun Times covering the Bears, like a blanket, and of course the Sports Adjacent podcast. Jason, thank you so much for joining us here on the Full Go. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. I love your work. I have so much respect for you and the job you do all over the place. Radio, podcast, TV. I've lost track of all the different places I can find you. <laughs> I'll be out to dinner and I'll see you on TV doing bowls or something like that. And uh, yeah. I love your work. I love everything that you contribute to the overall space of Chicago sports media. Uh, man, I appreciate that. I truly appreciate that. Um, all right, let's jump right into it. Uh, before we get to the skidooly, because, you know, I love this day is so hilarious because it pisses off the baseball fans for one because baseball fans <laughs> yeah. are finally like, all right, people are paying attention to our sport. And then the NFL comes down with, Hey guys, you guys want to get excited about games where you don't know who's going to be playing bang right in your face. Now, now you can plan your trips. Now you can get into it with your, your fellow fans across the nation about, okay. Like for instance, I already got my boys in Atlanta saying, Hey man, Falcons, Falcons game, road game. Got to come on down to that. Hey, but before we get into any of that, is this team better than the last time we saw it? Oh, no. Did you think they were? Did you, were no. you hoping I was going to say yes? Oh. No, I wasn't hoping for shit. But I, okay. all I know is that all I'm seeing is um, a, a front office who, to me, spoke volumes about how they felt about the offense by what they didn't do during the draft and the free agency period. And now we get to the point where all right, you've swung a couple of trades and you've gotten guys out of here. Allen Robinson isn't here anymore. Khalil Mack isn't here anymore. Uh, Danny Trevathan isn't in here anymore. Uh, 
I'm trying to figure out what this thing is going forward. I know it's a rebuild. I know it's a restart. But what is the base level talent right now as we sit here on NFL schedule day? I think I would counter that question by not totally answering it. And I would say that really the, the plan, the idea that I think they're going with is 2023 is when it all starts. 2023 is when we got all the draft picks. We got all the cap space. We're not, you know, trying to get rid of Nick Foles and Danny Trevathan <laughs> and all these horrible contracts. Khalil Mack, you know, not a horrible contract. Like he's probably going to be worth that money this year for the Chargers. Is he going to be worth that money in 23, 24? I don't know. Right. Um, so it's not that this season doesn't matter, but man, I, I hate saying this because I feel like Bears fans are going to be so tired of hearing this kind of talk, but it's what's going on right now. This season only matters insofar as it's a run-up to next season. So the goal is not to win 10 games this year or whatever. The goal is for this to be a productive step toward next season. you got to tear everything down before you can start building it. And 2023 is really their first true opportunity to start building. I think they got to be decent in 2023, and they got to be looking like they're going to be really good in 2024, or else this hasn't worked. Now, you say all that, and it's like, hey, so th- what about this season? We got we just got 17 games dropped in our lap. Goff's planning a trip to Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> what's the point? It's, it's not it's not tanking, but it is going to be like an extended 17 game preseason leading up to 2023. So there are things to watch for. There are things to look for. The same way there's things to look for in training camp or in any preseason, but the consequences don't really kick in until next year. Who's most invested in Justin Fields in that building this year? Everybody is. Everybody is. I mean, what? if you're, go ahead. No, because I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out the attachment because Ryan Poles doesn't have to be invested in him, especially if you're restarting. Uh, it, it's good to say you are. It's good to feel like you are. But at your core, this isn't your quarterback pick. This isn't the person that you thought you should build a franchise with because you came after the guy who picked him. So I'm just wondering what the overall investment level is. Is it more investment in the Bears' future or is it more invested in Justin Fields' future? And is there a separation, if at all? I think everybody's future rides on Fields. Yes, Ryan Pace is the guy that took him, but it wasn't that long ago. So you're still only coming into year two of this commitment as far as the contract, the draft capital you gave up, you know, what you're... you. Could you really turn around and spend another top five pick on a quarterback next year? I mean, you'd have, it'd have to be a situation like the Cardinals had a couple of years ago where they knew. They absolutely knew we made a big mistake uh, with Rosen, and we absolutely know that we got a star in Murray that we could take here at number one. I don't know if you're going to know that by the end. I don't know if you know if Justin Fields is good right now. I don't. I, I think he's good, right. but I don't know. It's right. very cloudy when you look at it. But I don't think there's anybody else in that building, Goff, that's going to have like a bigger effect on whether Matt Eberflus does well, on whether Ryan Poles does well. And so George McCaskey was saying all along leading up to this hiring and going into the search, hey, we're open to hear anything. I don't think so. I don't believe that. Like, if you're not a believer in Justin Fields, need not apply because that is the future, whether you like it or not. You've been stuck with that. Now, you might like it. That might turn out to be something you really like being attached to. But either way, that's what it is. He's going to be your franchise quarterback for the next three years, and you got to make it work. What have we learned about Ryan Poles, not just through his talent evaluation assessment and picking of things, but how he's run the Bears since he's taken over? Well, 
there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I think that he has run it very prudently. I think that he sees that this is not the, this is not the time. This is not the opportunity. This is not the time to go spend big on Christian Kirk or spend big to keep Allen Robinson or swing a big trade for whoever. This is the time to deconstruct some of the problems and then start building long-term. So he's looking at this the way you'd want a GM to look at it, like they're going to be here for the long-term, like they've got a long runway to really get things right. And as far as organizationally and operationally, trying to set up a structure that you think is going to do what New England does, for example, where they scout really well, they identify free agents really well, they, they develop guys really well, they have total cohesion throughout their staff. That's what he's trying to put in place now. That's what he's trying to lay the groundwork for now. And some of those changes were immediate when he brought in Ian Cunningham to help him kind of mastermind the personnel department. And some of them are going to come now as they get through the draft. A lot of times as a new GM, you hold on to that scouting staff, you hold on to that personnel department just to get through the draft. And then you start making the changes that you want to make for the long run. What did you think of the Bears draft? I was I was left um, wondering what they were trying to say in terms of the message, like where the wide receiver talent was or wasn't in the draft. Um, you know, obviously the offensive line background of Ryan Poles, we saw that heavy later on in the draft. Uh, what, what did you come away with thinking, okay, this is, this is the first draft class for this new regime. What, what message do they speak loud and clear to you as an observer? I think I'm going to keep coming back to the same thing. And I know that it's going to be very frustrating for a lot of people to hear, but it's not really like their first draft class to me. It's part, it's, it's the, you know, how Ozark came out in like the final season and there was the first half was released and then the second half was released. Their first draft is really 22 and 2023. That's the way that they're looking at it. So we can't, if you're sitting there with that, like them and you have these limited draft picks where they have no first round pick, they had to trade Khalil Mack just to get another second round pick and have some kind of chance to do something this year they're not going to be able to fix that all in one year. And usually you don't hear people admit that. But Ryan Poles did actually admit that. I think, I can't remember if it was a couple of days before the draft or a couple of days after. He said, this is not, we can't, we can't draft to address all these problems in one year. So you're looking at the collection of picks for 22 and 23, which by the way, 23 is not like some jackpot of picks. It's just the normal amount of picks, which the Bears hadn't had in a while. Ryan, Ryan Pace kept selling those assets to try to win now. He kept doing the same thing that the Rams have been doing, except instead of winning the Super Bowl, he's sitting there at 6-11 and 11, um, and with a lot of problems to fix. So Ryan Poles is looking at this as, I don't have to get everything right now in this draft. I've got three good picks, two second rounders, a third rounder. Everything after that is a shot in the dark. And it's not totally a shot in the dark. I mean, but you don't, you don't know any better than anyone else does whether those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks are going to turn into anything. Next year, there's some more picks. So if you want to say right now, hey, there's a great cornerback, cornerback the house is on fire that's a huge problem at cornerback we need a guy we need a guy not only like for the long term but we need a guy right now, now that's not yeah. a practice squad level cornerback if you want to say hey safety is going to be an issue because you want to talk about not being sold on somebody eddie jackson like you know you want to have a contingency plan there then you get into the third round and take bayless jones maybe he turns out maybe he doesn't but you get a couple of these guys that you know are good in the second round at key positions and you can address the other positions later. If you're looking at this all through the lens of 2023 is when it really starts to matter, then there isn't this urgency of this has to be this has to be a draft that just blows people away. We've got to get guys in that play that are that are dynamic receivers right now, for example. You can get that next year if you're going to look at it as a two-year project. 
What was the biggest failure or departure from the previous regime that you think this regime has learned from and is kind of making up the mistakes for? You know, we talked a lot about the offense and at the end of the run there, it was like, all right, look, the Bears can't score more than 17 points a game and they brought the offensive guy in. Obviously, it was raw materials and also him not being able to adjust the way that he probably should have in Matt Nagy and then Ryan Pace had to pay for that as well with his job because of his talent evaluation miscues. What do you think was spoken to the next uh, regime that they're kind of learning from? And what did you see that, that maybe this regime will have to kind of steer clear of that the last one couldn't? I think from a coaching standpoint, they did everything wrong with Justin Fields. You heard, I think it was a few months ago, the Giants owner, I believe it was, was saying something about Daniel Jones. Like, we've done everything we can to screw this kid up. Um, not everything. Matt Nagy has some ideas for you, I think, if you want to <laughs> screw it up even more. Like, what could they have done worse? And so they think, uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus think coming in, if we clean up all that garbage, all that clutter that was in his way from last season, that's an instant upgrade. I would say that's not enough, that you need a better offensive line and better receivers. But clearing things up does help. Clearing things up to the point where it's very clearly Justin Fields' team. He's not operating on second team all off season and then all of a sudden has to go to first team when there's an injury. He's not being worked in in gimmick plays. I remember that opener golf. Do you remember that? They're putting it, they're putting the kid oh, in. I did, and I, did a, I did a 42 minute segment. My oh. first show that Sunday night, that Sunday night football game was my first podcast after that. And I could not stop because I was in disbelief of what I was seeing. You're throwing him in there on second down. And then all well, shocker, it's third and 14, which is like the bears street address. And it's like, hey, Andy Dalton, I'm sorry. I know you weren't in the game. You don't have any feel of what's going on. Get in there. Save us on third and 14. And after the game, like the first and most obvious question I asked is to, to Dalton and to Nagy is like, hey, do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think that might kind of be difficult for Andy Dalton to be thrown in there? And, and Nagy's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a possibility. Uh, yeah, it is. So <laughs> get rid of all that. And, and again, you also saw like uh, the, the debut, the starting debut for Fields where all they, they play him and it's clear from the moment he gets out there, they don't know what to do with him. They're calling the Andy Dalton plays with a guy that is not Andy Dalton at all. They're not, there's nothing been tailored to his strength. This wasn't a shock either. This wasn't like a spur of the moment. Oh, Andy Dalton. They knew for a week. And this was the best they could do. Now you take all of that and you say, hey, we're going to start everything at the ground level here. And Fields is what we build around. Like he is the centerpiece. And we figure out everything else around that. We build an offense that works for him. That's a really good start. That's a really good plan. As far as polls uh, from a personnel department, you know, that's more of a coaching department, what we just talked about. Polls, I think, is very realistic. And so it's, he's not going to go for it with a team that just went six and 11. He's not going to go all in on that and see if he can get that to 10 and seven and sneak into the playoffs because it's not worth anything. It doesn't really matter. If that's all you're playing for, that's not really significant. I also think he, at least, and it's early, you know, like there's, it's going to take some time to really get to know Ryan Poles and how he operates. But I'd say at this point, my uh, appraisal of him is he does not have that, that killer flaw that Ryan Pace had where he truly believed he was the smartest guy in the room so many times. He really thought he knew something that the other teams didn't. And it was so clear based on their record, they were like one of the worst 10 teams in the league over his tenure that he didn't know something the other teams didn't. So when you're trading up, imagine imagine Bill Belichick getting the call that Ryan Pace wants to trade up with him for a draft pick. I mean, you got to be like, oh, yes, Ryan Pace on line one, can't wait. 
Right. You don't know, you, even New England doesn't really know something that everybody else doesn't know. They just develop guys really well. But if you're drafting, and, and you saw this with Poles, there was no trading up. He wanted to keep the valuable picks that he had. And then in the late rounds, if you're telling me that we're playing some game where it's unpredictable and it's a low success rate for everybody, everybody prepares for this. Everyone has scouting departments. Everyone has people on the road. Everyone has film analytics. They spend months working on this and it's still a crapshoot. Then what I want is as many turns as I can get. I want as many chances as I can get. If you tell me it's a low percentage game, then give me 10 shots. And if they find two guys out of those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks that are decent, then that's success. Whether it took you 10 picks to find them or three picks to find them, it doesn't really matter. But I'd rather have 10 shots to find two than three. So I like his overall very practical, very realistic approach to the draft. Aside from Justin Fields, what are the the issues that you don't think are being uh, bandied about enough in terms of something that might come up in training camp or in the beginning of the season where it's like, okay, this is this is uh, a lot worse or better maybe than, than we thought coming into this. Like what uh, the focus obviously is Justin Fields, Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, the new defense, some of these new pieces, getting Roquan Smith signed. But are there anything, is there anything out there that's lingering that you like, all right, this might be something that we have to keep an eye on that we haven't talked enough about? Yeah. I think it's something uh, very potentially problematic for the Bears that they have not done enough to put playmakers around Justin Fields and they have not done enough to the offensive line to keep him upright. I would sit here and sign on to a plan where you're saying, hey, it's about 2023. There's too much work to do. There's too much fixing to do to get this right right now. But I would say the caveat to that is that you have to help Justin Fields come along. You have to help Justin Fields progress this year. You can't ignore that side. So if you want to trade Kyle Mack, fine. You want to trade Eddie Jackson even or Robert Quinn, fine. But don't start going cheap and selling pieces off on the offense. Now, they didn't have that much to sell off, but like signing some big offensive line help would really be valuable, I think, for Fields. Signing him a big receiver, making a trade for DK Metcalf or something like that, that would really help Justin Fields. That would be critical to his development And that, to me, would not be short-sighted. That would be looking at the long term of, we need this guy to be a dynamic franchise quarterback by 2023 or 2024. No doubt about it. Uh, Any any movement on the new stadium? Or is that just still where it's supposed to be? Like, for me, like, when... When we first got wind of it, I was like, all right, if it happens, fine. You know, I, I maybe go to a Bears game every other year, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But since then, all the consternation and the back and forth with the mayor and the park district and all the other stuff, I haven't really kept my eyes on it the way that I probably should. Is there any any movement on the Arlington Heights situation? No, it's still in the in like the closing process. So they're in just like when you buy a house, they're in this evaluating and inspecting and all this other stuff and it's so much more complicated when you're buying a property like that right. than when you're Got to buying test the a soil levels. <laughs> yes, all of that stuff. Yeah, looking for leaks. I would still think though that that's where they're headed. I, I still I see this now, barring uh, some big shocker, that this is a foregone conclusion that they're going to move out to Arlington Heights. They're going to build a really nice stadium. They're not going to build like what the Rams have, but they're going to build something really nice that they, they don't have right now. Soldier Field is not a nice stadium. If you At go all. around the league to all these other places, it's it's probably in the bottom five. As far as just the quality of it, you can sit here and talk about uh, you know, the area around it or the history. But if you're just going to talk about the building, 
it's it's nowhere near even the 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 modest stadiums that are out there like the Vikings for example like that it, it's nothing like that and if you have this blank canvas in Arlington Heights then you can build whatever you want or you can sell it to someone that wants to build whatever they want so it's still we're still talking about something that's probably five years away before they could even be opening a stadium which takes so long but to me it's like the, the train is already down the tracks on that would you be happy about that would you take the trade of it's going to be out in Arlington Heights but it's going to be really, really nice. It's going to be indoors and spectacular. And you're going to enjoy, once you're there, you're going to enjoy the experience. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it until you just asked me just now. And with, you know, I have a five year old son who I'm sure, you know, as, as he gets older here, he's kind of figuring out like what I do and, and, and mm-hmm. what I have to do for work. Um, yeah. Taking him out to Arlington Heights wouldn't be an issue, I guess, but it's it's a lot more convenient, right, to be 15, 10 minutes away from it and then have to spend 45 minutes getting out of it. Um, yeah, I I don't go to a lot of football games. So so it's not something where I was, I'm like one of these Bears fans who go to two, three games a year, rain, sleet, and snow. Nah, the football is a better experience for me on the couch or in the house. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't really thought about how it's going to impact me. It will feel weird, no, no doubt about it, you know, on a Sunday, not seeing the normal traffic or knowing that that roar that you're hearing is right down the street. Um, yeah, it, it will be a little bit different, but, you know, everybody's got to adjust, right? Like, <laughs> the Bears played at Wrigley Field at one point in time, and yeah. they stopped playing. And, and, and you, still, you still were a Bears fan, so... I'm sure. I'm sure people will adjust. I'm sure there'll be the, the the local consternation that that is bandied about by the old heads who who want that pageantry and that uh, romanticism. But yeah, everybody will have to get over it. <laughs> that's that's how I see it. I'm concerned though that you don't like going to football games, and I'm thinking it's because you don't like going to football games here. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every time I pull up, it's to see the Bears. <laughs> right. It's not a fun place to go in general. Don't you see on TV? Don't you see like the Rams or the Raiders? And you're like, and oh, you it's a bowl. Like, now that that'd be tempting. That I might want to go to a game. Man. Right. Right. Oh, don't worry. It was like, uh, was it the the uh, the late '90s post like post Jordan where you're like, come see Shaq and Allen Iverson and all these. You know what I mean? At the United <laughs> yeah, States. That's, that's, that's what I did for years. As as <laughs> as I watched Adrian Peterson uh, get two. 170 plus rushing yards and then return the uh the, the game winning you know touchdown for a kickoff uh, i've watched some amazing performances at soldier field uh not all the time by chicago bears so it would uh it'd be different for me to to go see them be that somewhere else i guess but yes maybe all, the product is the reason we're also jaded by it because like i think you and i are about the same age like this is all we've known this has been our That's entire it. life if you've grown up here You've been watching 16, 13 games against the Lions your entire life. And and this hits me on Sundays. Like I don't watch a lot of football other than the Bears because I'm at work on Sundays. Right. But sometimes I'll get home, especially if the Bears are playing at home, or even I'll get to the hotel or whatever on the road, and you turn on Sunday Night Football and it's the good teams. It's like the Chiefs and the Ravens or the Bills and Tampa or something like that. And you watch it and you're like, this is not this is like a different sport. This is like a different league. I, hold on. I, I might actually like this. <laughs> I made the joke of here uh, when I first jumped on the score as a kid, like my routine as a child was watching the Mike Dicker show with Johnny Morris and Mike Dicker with my dad and then watching Bears football for three hours and then watching what the NFL actually was after that. So I would I would it was understood that 
my family was the dysfunctional one. And then at some point, we would be able to go outside and see how all the other families communicate and, and, <laughs> and interact with each other. And that's, that's been my entire football life. And I got to be honest with you, can't wait to hand it down to my son so, so that he can go through this as well. Well, but that's why I can't, that's why I don't want to be cynical about fields because fields could be the thing that changes that. Fields could so. be the end of 30 something years of not just bad football for the most part, but just boring football. I mean, think about their good teams that they've had in our lifetime. Think about the Super Bowl team and like, what a, that was not a good offense. No, that was not enjoyable to watch. Like, Fields gives them a chance at something that's actually exciting fun to watch football is a tv show for almost everybody including you you don't go to the games it's a tv show yeah. and you wouldn't keep you wouldn't keep watching the tv show where the plot is that there isn't one well <laughs> tell that or to jerry seinfeld and tell that to jerry seinfeld though you know <laughs> but yes seinfeld and the bears should never ever 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 be uh compared you know i've never seen a full episode of seinfeld ever I don't know how that's even possible. Like, it'd be like if I said I had never been to McDonald's. Like, even if you don't like Seinfeld, I'm shocked that you haven't seen an episode of it. I've never seen a full episode because I feel like I've seen all of them because it's been a part of pop culture for so long that, you know, the no soup for you and all that other shit. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld, I just, for whatever reason, I, I never, never jumped into. Now, Friends was an all-out boycott by me, period. Point blank. Friends, friends. I've never seen an episode. Now, there was for a reason. Because you're not going to tell me you're going to put six broke motherfuckers in an apartment together and no black people ever are around at all. At, ever, ever, ever. And the only one that y'all found was the black girlfriend who was around for a season and a half, and you got her to fuck up out of there, too. So, I, all I know is that Friends have never been friends of mine. They found a monkey, Jason, before they found a, br- a black person to kick it with. Jeez. All right? Uh, and, and I don't know what that says about, you know what? Let me chill. Let me chill. So, so <laughs> I don't know what parts of that joke I can laugh at. But it, no, you don't worry. You and me. Okay. I'm, I'm your, yeah, I'm your black walking papers. You're good. As long as you oh, said geez. that you, okay. did, you did it in front of me and that I, I saw you and I knew it was no malice and no, no, uh, no, no ill will. You, you refer to it as not my friends. Then I don't <laughs> think that show's funny now. Like that's it's such a weird thing where when I was that show was on when I was a kid I was probably middle school or high school when that show was big and I remember thinking it was funny back then Uh but I probably I probably didn't get it like I probably didn't really get it when I was I've seen fourteen but now I watch it now and I'm like this isn't funny and and part of this because like comedy really doesn't transfer from one generation from one era to the next but I watch it now and I'm like how did anybody ever think this was funny how does anybody like this now. Yeah, it's not evergreen. You can't. I, like, that's going back to like if you watch Eddie Murphy raw or delirious, yeah. you, you laugh your ass on on some things and other things. You're like that just that just don't do it right. And that ain't funny to me. So yeah, man, yeah, we we should have these conversations some other time. Maybe I'll jump on the Sports Adjacent podcast. I hear, oh, we'd love to have I, you, man. I, I, I hear there's a couple of hosts there that you that you hang out with that are that are cool guys but but none cooler than you and i see already that you came on here with your propaganda i see i i know what it is i know i know what time it is you and you and tg kind of linked up and was like yo i need to make a splash I mean, we're, i'm yeah, jumping on on, on golf's pod i need i need some i need some help i need some promotion so you wore your everybody loves tony gill shirt before before we spring you before we get up out of here uh, what is it like working with Tony Gill so that all the listeners can know going forward the uh, the shit that's about to happen on this podcast? It's a goat rodeo, and I don't know how, but it's like a one-man goat rodeo. 
Like it's like, it's what it's like for me trying to like manage three kids, three of my kids on my own, but it's just one person and it's a grown up and it's somebody we pay. And that's not enough to like be able to get, you know, what we need a lot of times. Yeah. I, I feel like he's going to do a good job. And I think maybe this is what I'm figuring out is because I think he does a good job a lot of other places. Like I think he does a good job at NBC yeah. and uh, they pay him a lot more than we do. I think 100%. he's going to do a good job. I think he did a great job for Lawrence and I think he's going to do a good job for you. And I think it's because he respects you guys. And for whatever reason, does not respect me. Well, it's obvious. The reasons. <laughs> Jason. I love you. I love your work. I love everything about your style. When I listen to the press conferences, there's like three voices that I'm waiting to hear. Yours is one of them, brother. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out all of his work. I don't care if you're in the city, you're out of the city, wherever this thing is booming out to, Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Bears beat reporter, and also a member of the Sports Adjacent podcast. Jason Leisure joining us here on The Full Go with Jason Goff. I appreciate your time, brother, and I will talk to you soon. The Full Go with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 102 of the Full Go Podcast. Join us on Sunday because we'll be here on Sunday wrapping up not just the Yankees series, but we'll be talking a little Cubs with you. And I do want to get into some of this Zach Levine conversation that I've seen out there, whether he needs to get the max and also some of these trade ideas that are being floated about the young high-flying bull. So looking forward to that conversation with you guys on Sunday. Don't forget, you can always hit us up on the Full Go voicemail line at 773-359-3103. We'll be throwing out questions throughout the week. Get that thing spiced up a little bit because I see unprompted. Uh, none of you are content creators out there, which isn't uh, shocking at all, but uh, none of you are really coming with the sauce or the entertainment level, to be honest with you. Uh, just unprompted. So we're going to have to kind of going to have to shepherd you uh, up the, uh, the mountain of content creation. And hopefully you guys will be better this week. So 773-359-3103 is the phone number for the Full Go voicemail line. As always, our production staff the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the always active Jesse Lopez, and a man that doesn't have a nickname yet. All these years I've known him, still have not given him a nickname. It's probably it's probably to his benefit because, you know, you know, I don't want to give him something. And, of course, he's going to have to feel like he's going to have to punch me in the face, and then it's going to be all that. So we'll work on Tony Gill's nickname. But for Steve Cerruti, Jesse Lopez, and my man Tony Gill, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing it, doing whatever you do with it. We truly appreciate all of your support on the Full Go podcast. This has been the Full Go with Jason Goff. I'm him. And of course, brought to you by The Ringer and Spotify is the game. We leave you with this. As always, take care of each other. Be safe.